Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 20. It's kind of funny, not many Bibles are used anymore with the phone apps and the apps and all that. That's the Bible, but I'm just saying the, the physical pages. Matthew chapter 20, it's kind of convenient. Chapter 20? Chapter 20. And I'm going to go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. It says here, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now we'll pause right there for a few moments. Before we get too deep into this story, this is a parable or a story that Jesus is telling here to illustrate a spiritual point. That's, what Je- that's how Jesus spoke. That's how Jesus taught was in parables. And as we read verse 1 here, we should realize, the first thing that we should realize is that the purpose of this parable is to show, like it says there, what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's the first thing that Jesus says here in verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like, he says. So as we read this parable, again, that's what we need to keep in mind. That's what it is about as we go through these verses. We're going to go through 16 verses here in Matthew, and I'll have you turn to a couple other scriptures as well. But what is the kingdom of heaven is like? What is the kingdom of heaven like? Um, He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he gives this story, a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Then he continues in verse 2 and says, Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So notice right from the start here that this was an agreement that the landowner, in this story that Jesus is telling, this is an agreement that the landowner came to with these men that he was hiring for the day. Two parties in agreement with each other in this story. Okay, This is an important ingredient of the story here. It's why I'm pointing it out. And for the sake of the story here, let's just say it was 6 a.m. in the morning when the landowner went out and hired the first group of men. And then verse 2, or excuse me, verse 3 continues and says, and he went out about the third hour, so let's call that 9 a.m., right? And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. So now these men These men here have no agreement with the landowner, no contract, so to speak, right? The landowner simply said to them that he would give them whatever was right. So three hours after the other men started, this group of men started working, simply trusting the word of the landowner. They have no agreement, no contract with him, right? Then verse 5 says, Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. Okay, so this is 12 noon, right? And 6 p.m., right? If I'm right on my time here, I might be a little off on that. But anyway, it's not told in the story anyway, but I'm just kind of giving you a mental picture here, right? He goes out two different times again and he finds more men to work under the promise that he would give them what was right, 
He just said, I'll give you what's right. And about the 11th hour, okay, so let's call that 5 p.m., he said, verse 6, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So the same deal again, right, with these men. No agreement come to, again, no contract. They, they were simply going to get whatever was right based on the word of the landowner. The workday will end at, at 6 p.m. and this group of men will only work one hour. Okay, so when evening, verse 8 says, so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Okay, so let's just picture now that there are a group of men standing in line. They're waiting to receive their pay. They've worked in the field. They're now standing in line waiting to receive the pay. At the front of the line is, is the men that started at 5 p.m. They only worked one hour. At the back of the line are the men that started at 6 a.m. Then verse 9 says, And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, the 5 p.m. people, right? They each received a denarius. So again, that's those men that worked one hour. They're in the front of the line. And the landowner determined to give each one of them a denarius. Now, during Roman times, there was a period when a denarius was worth a day's wages. That's what you got for a day's wage. Okay. By today's numbers, uh, the amount of silver contained in a denarius is worth about $3.62 in our numbers today, right? Now, of course, to us, that doesn't seem like a, a, a lot of money, but $3.62 in value held a, a lot more weight than back in that day, several thousand years ago. Okay, it was a day's wages. They could go out and earn a living for that, right? And remember here, this, this, is a, this denarius is what the landowner agreed to pay the first group of men that had the agreement with him, right? The early morning guys. Now here, the 5 p.m. guys are getting the same thing. Verse 10 says, but when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. Okay, they're last in line, but they were the first ones that worked, that showed up to work that day, that had the agreement. They supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise, though, each received a denarius. Okay, so again, this, you get the picture here, standing in line. They're probably watching all the people in front of them in line get their pay. So they're supposing, hey, he's giving them a denarius. By the time we get there, we're going to get more, right? Because we started before they did. Now, this is the mindset right? Or this is the way of the kingdom of this world. I deserve more than you if I do more than you. I deserve more than you if I do more than you. That's the way it is in this world. That's the mindset that we have here, right? Most of us would agree. We would look at this story and say, well, yeah, they started at 6 a.m. They should get more than the guy that started at 5 p.m. 
But this is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, that's what this story is about. The kingdom of heaven is like this. So Jesus tells a story. See, many people will come to Jesus with expectation. Right? They, they want more than just the salvation that he bought for them with the shedding of his blood. They expect more. They think that somehow they deserve health and wealth, right? And that's a big doctrine of today amongst many churches, right? Prosperity doctrine. Health and wealth, right? Get rich. Come to Jesus and get rich. You know, remember the old song is old from the 70s, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? You know, and that's the mentality of the world. That's the mentality of mankind, but it's, it's not what heaven is like. It's not what the kingdom of God is like, okay? And keep in mind, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, those two terms are, are used in conjunction with each other in the book of Matthew. They mean the same thing, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? But when people come to Jesus expecting health and wealth, and then sickness comes, and financial lack comes, then they become offended with God. Wait a minute. What are you doing, God? This is not what I expect from you. I deserve more. Don't you know what I do? Don't you know that I pray? Don't you know that I do this for you? I do that. I expect more. Okay? And that's what these guys are like that started at 6 a.m. Wait a minute. Why is he getting that? Why am I not getting that? Right? And it's very easy for us to compare ourselves to others and look and say, hey, look what that guy got. Look what that woman got. Look what they have. Why don't I? Why don't I, God? Why don't I, right? So they don't think a lot of people coming to Jesus with these expectations don't think that they get what they deserve. But the question is, even in the story here, doesn't the landowner, the owner of the vineyard, have the right to do whatever he wants with his money? Doesn't he have the right to pay people however he feels he should? He's the owner. He's the landowner. He's the business owner, right? He has the right to do that. According to the words of Jesus and what's being implied here, he does. He has the right to do that. And isn't the Lord God the Lord of all? He's the Lord of all, right? Is not the earth, like I I prayed, the earth in all its fullness is the Lord's. He has the right to do whatever he feels is right for us, okay? His will, his heart is above all else, right? And verse 11 goes on and says, and when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. This reminds me of the story of the prodigal son, right? The one son goes away, wastes all his father's money that he gives him, riotous living, all of this. He repents, he comes back. He repents and he comes back to the father. The father receives him gladly. What did the other brother do? The older brother who never left home, who stayed in obedience to his father, doing the will of his father, gets upset, gets angry. Why are you treating him like this? He wasted all your money and now you're killing the fatted calf for him. You're having a feast for him. You're throwing a party for him. And the father says, 
Well, my son has come home. I'm joyful. My son has come back. And this is also the way of the kingdom of God. When someone comes back to the Lord, right? But these men here are extremely offended because it makes no sense to them. How can this be fair? And again, don't we often think the same way today? Isn't it natural for us to understand how these men feel at this moment as we look at this story, as we look at this parable? Again, this is the mindset of the kingdom of this world, but it's not the way of the kingdom of God. It's not the way of the Lord. Verse 13, but he answered one of them. So this is the landowner answering them. It says, but he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? And that's the key there. This landowner was doing what was good. He was doing what was right. You see, we find here that the kingdom of God, like I said, the kingdom of heaven used interchangeably in the book of Matthew. It's not about fairness, but it's about mercy. And it's about love. It's about kindness. You know, the men in this story that stood in the marketplace all day, they weren't lazy. They weren't a bunch of bums. They wanted to work, but they said, no one's hired us. No one's hiring us. 5 p.m. in the afternoon, the guy comes and says, why aren't you working? No one's hired us. That's why we're not working. So they weren't lazy, right? They wanted to work. They needed money too. They needed to buy their food to feed their family. They needed to pay their bills, right? That is, they needed to just make a day's wages too. They needed to make a denarius. Same as the men that started at 6 a.m., these men needed it too, right? But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, again, is not about fairness. The kingdom of God is about what's right, true righteousness. The kingdom of God is about what's pure, what's good, joy. The kingdom of God is not about receiving. The kingdom of God is about giving, right? Mark this page in your Bibles, and let's turn now to the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 22. So Luke 12, 22. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap 
which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? You see, the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of this world, we feel like we've got to get ours, right? We, we, we've got to compete. We've got to get what's coming to us. We've got to strive. We've got to look out for number one, as they say. And of course, we're number one, right? Again, this is the mindset of the kingdom of the world. Okay? But it's not the way of the kingdom of God. Okay? God wants us to trust in Him, to rest in Him. Okay? We would have so much more peace so much more contentment if our mindset were like what Jesus explains here. And starting in verse 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So again, what did the landowner back in Matthew chapter 20 do, right? He, he understood the needs of all the men. He understood that they all needed a day's wage. Okay? The, the ones that started late and the ones that started bright and early, they both had the same needs. And he did what was good. God provides for our needs. Verse 29, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. That's why when I say the kingdom of this world, it's like all the people all over the world are striving, striving to get what's there, striving for these things. But it's not what the kingdom of God is about. And he says, don't have an anxious mind there, it says in verse 30. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But, he says in verse 31, seek the kingdom of God. Remember, same as the kingdom of heaven. Seek the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. So the Father knows we need them. He'll add them to us, but He wants our priority. He wants our focus to be on the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, I, for one, will just confess right before you that it is so hard sometimes when this world beats you up. It's so hard when you lack. It's so hard when sickness comes or pain comes into your life or business starts to fail or you lose your job or you can't find it, whatever it is, you know, it's hard. It's very difficult and it's easy to take it on as stress. But we have to go to the Word of God like we do and this is the reason we go to the Word of God to be reminded that we've got to just press on. 
We do have tribulation. Jesus said we would. We do have hard times. And it's going to be that way in this world. You know, I'd like to say it wouldn't be. And you can look at other people and say, man, he's on easy street. She's on easy street. No, nobody's really on easy street. God sees, God sees everything about every person. Just like this landowner, he's good. He sees, again, I'm just I'm repeating myself here, but he sees that the guy that started work at 5 p.m. has the same need as the guy that started work at 6, okay? But he doesn't want our hearts to be bitter and to be envious of others. He wants us just trusting in him, knowing that we're worth more than the lilies of the field, right? What's better, striving to get what's yours, striving to look out for yourself, number one, as number one, or trusting that the landowner, that is the creator of all who made all things and the earth is his in all of its fullness, that the landowner will give you what you need because he's loving, because he's kind, because he's merciful, because he's good. Remember the landowner in Jesus' parable said, is your eye evil? In other words, do you have envy and bitterness in you because I am good? Is that what you're mad about? Are you mad because I'm so good to a guy that worked for me one hour? Is that what you're mad about? You got what you agreed for. You got what you need. You got your day's wages. Okay. Verse 32 here goes on. Jesus says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide for yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you see, that's, that's the core thing right there. It's all a matter of the heart. Where our heart is. Right? It's all wrapped... It is our heart all wrapped up in earthly treasures, monies, money, cars and, and clothing and such like that. And, and, and sometimes it's so easy to answer that question and say, no, I'm not like that. But when we worry about these things, when we fret about these things all the time, we are caught up in it because God wants to provide our needs. Listen to this. I'm not going to have you turn there, but Romans chapter 14, verses 17 through 19 says this. Remember, we just read that it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then in Romans chapter 14, it says, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It says it's not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, what are we talking about? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. It goes on in Romans to say, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Think about that. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. In other words, that's what our mindset should be. How can I edify someone else? What can I do today to edify someone else? Lift them up, to build them up, okay? You see, if the guys 
in the back of the line, those early morning guys, would have the kingdom of God mindset, the kingdom of heaven mindset, they would have said this. They would have said, wow, this is awesome. This landowner is the best ever. He cares equally about everyone. He is so kind. Look at what he's doing. Look how great that is. They could have had that mindset. They would have still got the money they agreed to. And they wouldn't have had an evil eye. They wouldn't have had to be bitter in their heart about someone else getting something, right? They could have had that attitude, right? And that's how God is. It's not about us getting what we deserve. You know what would happen if we got what we deserve? (laughs) It wouldn't be good. But God is loving and kind and merciful, okay? It's about what He sees as right. We should now, as citizens of the kingdom of God, God, we should have the mind of Christ. We should have that mindset that I just described of those guys in the back of the line that worked all day. Oh, this is nice of him. Look how nice this is that that, that they're getting that. We should seek to edify others. Use our resources to help others and to see that the needs of others are supplied for. Right? Our focus should be different than those guys that were in the back of the line. Here in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 continues, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. That's just a way of saying, be ready. And you'll see that as we go on here. And, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. So do you see the mindset here? Do you see what the focus should be? We should be living in such a manner that we are so focused on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, right? So focused on this that we're traveling light here. We're just passing through. And all we have and all that the earth has belongs to the landowner, to the owner of all, to God, to the God of all creation. And we should use all that we have in service of Him. And when He comes again, and when we're called, or when we're called home, whatever comes first on the day of our death, we're ready to go. We've been living for Him all along, and we're now ready to see Him. Verse 37 says, Blessed are those servants whom the Master, when He comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Just like the story of the prodigal son. The father ran to the son. You're home. Now I'm going to... He fed him. He made a feast for him. He gave him everything because he came home. That's how the father is. That's how the God of all creation is. That's the way of our King Jesus. He is ready to serve others. And that's how He calls us to be as His servants. Just like that. Verse 38, And if He should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Just meaning, if He delays. If it's now, today that He comes, or if it's 10 years from now, are we going to be serving Him? 15 years from now, are we going to be serving him? Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Just a way of saying, you should be ready, right? 
Therefore you also, verse 40, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So as we turn back now to Matthew chapter 20 again, Jesus is going to end this parable here in verse 16. Matthew 20, 16, Jesus says, So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, before I I talk about this verse, I want you to look back at verse 8 for a moment. Same chapter here, verse 8. It says, So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his servant, Call the laborers, And give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Okay, so it says that he told his steward to call all the laborers, beginning with the last and then the first. So again, at the front of the line were the last people that the the landowner had brought to work that day, right? At the end of the line were the first people who agreed with or contracted with him, if you will, the last people in the line to be paid, he called, right? He gave them no contract, no agreement, right? The the people at the front of the line, but I should say the last people that he called to work, he gave them no contract, no agreement. And the first people are at the end of the line, and with them he did have an agreement. Interestingly, right, when the gospel first went forth out into the world, it went out to only a few. It first went to the Jews. They thought that it was all about them. They thought that the gospel and the filling of the Holy Spirit was for the Jews only. If you read the book of Acts, you see it went out to the Jews first, and they thought it was just all about them, that salvation was only going to be for them. Okay? Later, though, they would realize through the working of the Holy Spirit that, yes, they were the chosen, but there would be others that were called. And the gospel still goes forth today, calling people to come to the Lord Jesus and to be his servant, to come into the kingdom of God, to come into this type of mindset that we're talking about today and to live for him. The rewards of the kingdom of heaven, however, are not based on merit. In other words, again, what you deserve. But they're based on God's grace. They're based on God's love. They're based on God's mercy. They're based on God's kindness, just like we see with the landowner. So the kingdom of God is opposite from the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God gives without partiality. The kingdom of this world, the carnal-based kingdom, gives based on merit. Well, you get what you deserve. I deserve this. He deserves that, right? The epistle of James, verses one, uh, starting in verse 1 through verse 4, I want to read to you here. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, okay, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit at my footstool. 
Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So remember, back there in verse 15 of Matthew 20, it says, Is it not lawful for me? The landowner said, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So to have an evil eye is to consider yourself as better or more worthy than others, or to consider someone of prestige with lots of money and fine clothing as better than the next person. That's to have an evil eye. The kingdom of God, though, is open to whosoever will. And the reward, again, is based on the grace of God. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. Our ways are not His ways, right? It's not about our thoughts. It's not about our expectations. This is what I deserve. Again, we don't want to get what we deserve. And we should desire, as those that have the mind of Christ, to make ourselves last in this world, not strive to be first, to be givers and not takers, to serve God with our lives and with our resources, to have hearts of compassion toward other people. This is the way that the landowner treated the laborers in this parable, and it's, it's the way of the kingdom of God, is what Jesus is saying. And we are to do what? We're to seek first the kingdom of God. That's the top priority of our lives, is to live that way, not the kingdoms of this world. So we're going to stop here for today. We'll pick up later in the future the rest of the chapter of Matthew. But if any of you watching this video or listening to this audio have any questions about what we've studied today or you have any questions about a life in Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to contact me directly. You can do so via email at dave at a loveoutreach.com. Dave at a loveoutreach.com. Or you can go to our website, www.aloveoutreach.com, and find these teachings there as well. So let's go ahead and close here for today in prayer. Again, Father God, thank you. God, Thank you for your word, Lord, that we can be exhorted in your word today to live for you, to change our mindset, God, to cast our cares upon you, as your word says, knowing that you care for us. Again, God, the burdens of this world can be such a heavy load on us, and it's hard, Lord. But you said, Jesus, that apart from you, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for having the wrong mindset, Lord, for getting wrapped up and tied up with this world, God. God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit, though, upon us, God, because we need your strength, Lord. As the old song says, we need Thee every hour. And Lord, I take it even further. Every second, every breath, Lord, we need You. So God, I pray for all of us here and for those that will watch this video or hear this audio, God, that we would all commit to You all the more, that we would make it the priority of our lives to seek the kingdom of God And that we would see and we would understand that the kingdom of God is nothing like the kingdom of this world. It's not about food and clothing and eating and money. It's about righteousness and peace and joy 
in the Holy Spirit. And that's what you want us to have, Lord. So we pray your help and your guidance and your direction. And again, we thank you for this time together here this morning in your holy word. We pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.